We turn now to the reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. And Jesus went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. He said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you, as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past Thursday, by the time 6 p.m. rolled around, it had already been a long day. My long day began when I received some sad news from a friend who lives far away at the early in the morning. It continued when I learned that an acquaintance, part of a seemingly beautifully stable couple, was now facing a divorce. Various other tasks filled the day, some lovely and delightful, and some just simply finishing up paperwork, crossing T's, dotting I's. And by the time it was 6 p.m. on Thursday, I was ready to wrap up and head home. Still, I had another meeting facing me, one which started precisely at dinner time. The good thing is that this meeting involved people whom I respect and work in which I believe, but still, as I got in the car to drive there, I was tired. And while I had eaten something earlier, it must not have been enough, for as Michael, my husband, says, I know I must be hungry when the world seems full of idiots and they're all driving in my lane. <laughs> so as the sun started to dip into the sky and I drove toward the meeting with a sad heart from the day's news and a body ready for the end, I knew I had to take some dramatic steps. I needed some extra help. So I decided to use a spiritual practice that I learned from my parents growing up. This ritual profoundly shaped my sisters and me in our childhood and adolescent years. And we have continued this, use this practice throughout our life at the end of every long road trip, every tough moment. I rolled down the windows. I cranked up the volume, and I bellowed a song at the top of my lungs. <laughs> On Thursday evening, this spiritual practice involved the music of Bruce Springsteen. In other significant moments in the life of my family and my own life, the choice has been show tunes. Perhaps you have your own variation of this important spiritual practice. We each have ways to keep ourselves going, rituals that allow us to move forward when our bodies, minds, and spirits just want to give up. When you are weighed down by heavy worries that will not loosen their grip on your heart, when you must make yourself take just one more step, what keeps you going? 
This is a question that resonates throughout our life, no matter what age. What keeps us going? Yes, it is love and faith, prayer and grace. Yes, it is the acknowledgement that everyone has their ups and downs, and some days are just like that, even in Australia. However, sometimes when the world seems full of idiots and wearying news, the thing that keeps you going just might be a very good dance party. Something that lets you throw your head back, move your feet and arms, and shake them without worrying about what anyone thinks. This can become an important act of letting go and moving on from whatever the day has thrown at you. Any female between the ages of 15 and 25 can tell you about the gospel according to pop star Taylor Swift. So I will not do so today. However, I mention her because if you have listened to any music radio in the past eight months, there is a chance that these words of Jesus are sending a certain lyric snaking into your brain. I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake. Shake it off, shake it off. Those of you who don't know the Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off, those are basically the extent of the insanely catchy lyrics. (laughs) Those of you who do know this song, I apologize. Please do not curse me at 9 p.m. when you are humming it yet again. (laughs) I name these musicians not because they embody gospel truth, but because they show us that Jesus is not speaking some ancient, dried-up words. Jesus is speaking to feelings and actions that we clearly have needed to hear again and again. We still need to hear about shaking off the rejections we receive on the journey of life and faith. Jesus sends his disciples out on the road two by two. They are going forth to spread the good news of God's grace, to teach and heal and pray. Jesus gives them the authority to do amazing feats like cure the sick and cast out demons. But this isn't the road trip of their dreams. Jesus also makes sure to point out that as incredible as it might sound to do all of these things in the name of Jesus, these disciples are also going to face rejection. A lot of it, over and over again. As we've heard, Jesus says, if people refuse to hear you, As you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as testimony against them. Some scholars point out that this instruction seems to echo a practice that many observant Jews would do when they returned from a Gentile country. They would ritually shake the unclean dust off their clothing and their feet, thereby creating a sense of separation from the place where they were to the place where they are now. They have left the unclean land. They have returned to their homeland. So as Jesus gives these instructions, it is, as he says, a warning against the town they are leaving, but it also becomes an act of separation, a ritual, a way to use your body and remind yourself and others that one chapter of your journey is over and another is beginning. As one another scholar says, this is a ritual of continuing the journey, not a way of getting out of the journey. Shaking your feet becomes a sign that you have been places. You have not been standing safely, comfortably in one place. 
you've gotten on the road and covered some ground, and so in return, your own feet have been covered with the stuff of the ground, the dirt, the detritus, the dust. Jesus is giving instructions for these disciples to show and tell the gospel, but he knows that the work won't be easy. It is not easy to continually meet new people, visit new spaces, learn how to have new conversations across the dinner table with people whom you have just met. These disciples are about to become aliens in a new land, pilgrims perpetually depending on the hospitality of strangers. When was the last time that any of us easily, readily accepted a gift or hospitality from someone? When has the last time any of us have welcomed someone to our table who we did not know before? These disciples are being sent out to experience these interactions every single day. So Jesus is teaching them how to share the good news, but also he is teaching them how to keep going when the journey gets tough when their ears ring with the sound of rejection, when their eyes sting with the sight of people's turning backs, when they experience exhaustion and dust in their mouths, between their toes, in their teeth, they need these words to teach them how to keep going. We might be able to relate some of these feeling to the to some of these feelings even if we ha ourselves have not set out on foot for a long road trip. But we know indeed that this journey of life and faith isn't easy. However, with these words, we are also reminded that we don't go at it alone. After all, Jesus does know what rejection looks like. In the passage right before the one we just read, Jesus has been laughed out of the synagogue where he grew up. Jesus knows what mockery sounds like. And perhaps that is why he sends out the disciples together, two by two. Sometimes we find it easier to join together with others in a community, even if we have a hard time following Jesus' instructions, even when we have a hard time even liking each other. We go two by two because this journey of life and faith isn't easy and it isn't meant to be walked alone. Jesus knows what rejection looks like, and his instructions show us that we shouldn't let the moments of failure and rejection define our entire journey. The worst thing that happens to us, the rejection we might face, this is not the most significant thing that will happen to us. We cannot let it end our journey. Shaking the dust from our feet reminds us that we can take another step on the journey because it isn't all about others accepting us or rejecting us. This journey isn't all about condemning those we leave behind. This journey isn't all about long, arduous travel. This journey, the journey that Jesus describes, the one that we are on together, this journey is all about what God is going to do next. After all, this is a God that we've heard about from our psalmist today. We've heard about how powerful and mighty and strong a city is when God resides in it. 
As our own scholar Jim Mays points out, this psalm was probably said by pilgrims as they arrived at the wall, the city gates after a long journey. As the pilgrims approached with weary, dusty, worn-out bodies, they could gaze upon the place where God inspired awe and devotion. Many centuries later, our understanding of where God resides has changed. We Christians now see God as present with us in the body of Jesus, who sends disciples forth on a journey. Jesus sends them forth into the world knowing that the Spirit won't rest until every person knows that he or she is a beloved child of God, that God resides within them wherever they might be. So when Jesus instructs the disciples to shake out their feet and continue on the journey, this doesn't mean that the place they leave behind will be condemned forever. In the face of rejections, the disciples have to learn to leave the dust to God. And as someone points out, we have seen what God does with dust. We see what he, God does with, gust, with dust in the creation story of Genesis. When God creates the world, then takes dust, breathes into it, and shapes the first woman and man. God breathes into dust and brings forth life and relationships and new beginnings. God takes dust and makes it into something good. We shouldn't ever, ever underestimate what God can do with dust. And so Jesus says, shake the dust, continue down the journey, trust that God is getting to work. You can continue on your way. By God's grace and creativity, this dust, even yet, can become something meaningful, something beautiful. One of the greatest dance scenes in modern movie history doesn't come from a troupe of professional dancers or from the art form of Sid Charisse and Fred Astaire. The dance comes from a quirky collection of characters, a family that includes a chubby six-year-old pageant contestant, a harried divorced mother, a stepdad who is a failed motivational speaker, a perpetually annoyed teenager who's taken a vow of silence, a depressed uncle who is the world's preeminent Proust scholar. If you've seen it, you might recognize this family as from the 2006 movie Little Miss Sunshine. This is a movie that our Friday Films group watched the other month. The plot of this movie is built around a road trip that this very dysfunctional family takes together in order to get their beloved six-year-old girl, Olive, to a beauty pageant several states away. Olive is a true believer. She is a happy child who loves, loves, loves the idea of dancing in a beauty pageant. With no makeup or curled hair, she doesn't look like the typical pageant contestant, but she doesn't care. She's been practicing for months with moves choreographed by her cranky 80-something-year-old grandfather. No one in her family thinks she has a chance to win, except her grandfather, 
But eventually, events make them all pile into a small van and drive several states away towards this pageant. No one in Allah's family gets along with each other. The stepdad cannot handle the grandfather. The teenage son thinks everything, everyone is stupid. The depressed uncle thinks everything is meaningless. The harried mom loves everyone but does not know how they will survive in a small van for several days on this road trip. Six-year-old Olive is utterly excited and totally oblivious to the fact that everyone in her family is quite certain this will be the worst road trip of their entire life. When they finally arrive at the pageant, towards the end of the movie, when Olive finally joins the other bedazzled contestants on stage, when Olive decks herself out in a top hat and a pantsuit that stretches over her pudgy belly, when the music finally starts to play and the stunningly inappropriate song Super Freak comes on, and the whole room is horrified, including Olive's own family, still, Olive continues to dance, happily, exuberantly leaping across the stage, doing all the moves her grandfather taught her, jumping, spinning, throwing her hat, shaking her bum, shaking her feet, shaking everything she can with all the six-year-old joy she can muster. It's been a long road trip. Everyone in the family is weary and tired. Everyone thinks it was a mistake to come. But as Olive is getting booed, as other contestants look at her with disgust, she continues to dance and dance and dance. Something happens to her family. They look at each other. They look at the stage. They look back at each other, and then, one by one, they start clapping along. And then, one by one, amid the jeers and the boos, they join her. They throw themselves up onto the stage, under the fluorescent spotlight, under the glitter and the sequins. They dance, and they dance, and they dance, all of them, and their dancing is awful. And they look ridiculous, and they are making fools of themselves. They look crazy, like the journey has addled their brain, and yet they still keep dancing. And at the end, they are smiling, even the teenage son, even the depressed uncle. They are smiling at each other. Each has danced a ridiculous dance, and when they're done, they get back into their tiny van and get back on the long road home. They still have a long ride ahead of them, you can guarantee they're still going to get annoyed at each other. Olive still got booed up on that stage. But they have done what they came for. They got their beloved Olive to perform in the dance pageant. And now, in addition, they have a crazy good dance party to remember. Jesus says, shake the dust. This is a warning and a sign of rejection, but it is also a profession of faith. God is going to do something with even this dust, even these particles of dirt and stones and things that annoy us and weigh us down. God is going to do something even with this. And so we go forth into the world. We go two by two together and we show the stories of Christ's love and then when things get tough, when rejections hit us in the face and weigh us down, we get up again and prepare to move on. We shake our feet, shake our arms, 
shake ourselves free once more. And if it looks like a ridiculous dance, then so be it. We know that this isn't the end of the journey. We know that God is going to do something with even this dust. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving creator, shake us free of the things that weigh us down and hold us back from continuing as your disciples. You show us what it looks like when you make a home here on earth. Show us again how to build a home for you here and now in our hearts, in our cities, and in our world. Amen.